0: Hello everybody and welcome to Stat Chasing Week 11. We are in the midst of the NFL season. My name is Sam Hoppin and I am your host for the show. The fantasy football playoffs are right around the corner for everyone and hope to get you all prepared for this upcoming week for the playoff stretch as well. If you haven't watched the show before, first of all, thank you for tuning in. This is where I go through some of the key stats that I think are important to help lay a foundation for understanding what happened this past week, the past several weeks uh, for my own edification and and helping set my lineups and understand what's going to, to happen in the upcoming week. But before I get into the nitty gritty details Of all the data, I want to share the sources of the stats that I'll be walking through, so from PFF, I get all of my routes data, so that's any route specific metrics, targets per outrun, route rate, things like that. I also use their expected fantasy points, which is a model built that weights opportunity by the line of scrimmage and where a player is targeted, where they get a carry, stuff like that. And I use this primarily as a measure of usage to understand which players are getting the most high value opportunities in their offense and essentially are or are not making the most of those opportunities. Where I get the majority of my stats, though, are from NFL Faster, which is the NFL's play-by-play data. I get air yards from there, which is the distance the ball traveled in the air before it gets to a receiver. Weighted opportunity rating, a metric that Josh Hermesmeyer created a couple years ago that weights target share and air yard share. Also have receiver air conversion ratio, which is receiving yards divided by air yards. And is an efficiency metric showing a receiver's ability to convert air yards into actual yards. Also have Pacer on the flip side, which is passing air conversion ratio, which is passing yards divided by passing air yards and shows a quarterback or or his receiver's ability to convert air yards into actual yards. Also have quarterback adjusted yards per attempt, which is yards per attempt, but is weighted with interceptions and touchdowns and then have a couple of expectation-based stats. First of all, have pass rate over expectation. In NFL Faster, they've created a model that identifies the percent chance that a play is a going to be a drop back or a pass for a team. And then you can use that to calculate a team's expected pass rate, and then subtract that from their actual pass rate to get pass rate over expectation. Similarly have completion percentage over expectations or CPOE, which is a quarterbacks, again, expected completion percentage or their actual completion percentage over expected. And again, is an efficiency type metric for quarterbacks. Also have a couple of stats popularized by Ben Gretsch, friend of the show, uh, weighted targets per run, which weights air yards and routes run with a scale are included. Primarily use this for the wide receiver position to show which players are getting targeted at different depths and how efficient they're being with their targets. And then high value touches, which is a running back specific metric. It is carries inside the 10 yard line and any reception. And then we'll also be referring to green zone touches which is any touch uh, reception or carry inside the opponent's 10-yard line and got Crosby in the room here as you can see him crawling around but uh we'll be going through the stats position by position so that I can compare against others in the position and hope you make help you excuse me help you make start sit decisions waiver decisions uh potentially your final trade decisions of this season and then we'll go through a couple of teams more in depth just looking at their situation as a whole a couple of final reminders if you're watching this on YouTube be sure to like this video subscribe to the YouTube channel and become a member for just five dollars a month to get early access to this show uh, be able to watch it live get access to the discord and a bunch of other benefits as well. And then one final shout out to at Change College on Twitter, who has been amazing in adding timestamps on the YouTube video for each of the positions and the team conversations so that you, the watcher or listener can skip ahead to whatever conversation, uh, or, or I guess, discussion. I don't know if it's really a conversation, if it's just me by myself, but whichever one that you want to listen to specifically. So, as I do, every single week, I'll be showing a chart on the screen for the video on YouTube. I would highly recommend you watch it on YouTube to be able to see these charts. I usually share some of them on Twitter, but not all of them. And starting off with... The quarterback position on the x-axis of this chart have adjusted yards per attempt. On the y-axis have touchdown rate. So that's just touchdowns divided by passing attempts. And then the size of a quarterback's bubble as his rushing yards per game. And looking at efficiency here, because that's what drives quarterback scoring the most uh, volume is not as much of an indicator for fantasy success for the quarterback position as it is for running back wide receiver and tight end, but one quarterback who has not been that efficient the last couple of games specifically is Matthew Stafford has played two primetime games against the Titans last week and against the, uh, excuse me, against the 49ers last night and has just, been absolutely abysmal, and in those two games, he has a negative 4.8% CPOE, he has a negative 0.18 EPA per play, that's expected points added per play, which is, is very bad, <laughs> you want that to be positive, he's thrown only two touchdowns and four interceptions in those two games, he's still throwing it a ton, and they've had to throw it a ton because They've been down in these games so early, and he has over 240 passing yards per game, excuse me, over 240 pass yards in each of the two games. um, Had 293, I believe, last week. And as a result of all of these interceptions and the lack of touchdowns, has fewer than 12 points per game across the two games, and it has fewer than 24 points in obviously those two, two games combined. So he's going to be going into his bye week this week, him and the Rams are. And I'm actually going to talk about the the Rams wide receivers later on in the show to sort of dissect what happened last night. Specifically, obviously, Robert Woods is out for the season, which I honestly think will hurt Matthew Stafford more than it's being talked about. And maybe that's like the NFL NFL like football guy version of me steaming something is like I've seen a lot of people say that <laughs> Robert Wood's missing is uh, a bigger deal, but in any case, I, I don't think you're sitting Stafford if you have him, I, except for this week, obviously, but it could potentially be a buy low opportunity now if you've been streaming quarterback all year if you have someone in place for week 11 and sort of want to solidify the position. I rarely advocate for trading for quarterbacks, especially in one quarterback leagues, but Stafford outside of these two games has been phenomenal this entire year. And I think they have a a fairly favorable schedule down the stretch as well. So uh, certainly something to, to keep an eye on. They they do pass the ball ton again, which I'll get into a little bit more later on. The only other quarterback that I really want to talk about is Trevor Simeon, who hasn't been playing terrible from a, both a real life and a, a fantasy football perspective since taking over for Jameis Winston in week eight, has a negative 4.9% CPOE, which is, that's the, the bad part, I guess, with with Simeon. But has not thrown an interception and has thrown five touchdowns, has a 4.8% touchdown rate, is averaging 15.5 fantasy points per game in those three games, uh, has a 7.8 adjusted yards per attempt, a 0.93 pacer so he's not getting a ton of help from his receivers but the saints do play the eagles this week so i I do think if you're looking for a stafford replacement you you could do worse than than trevor simeon um and another option to replace stafford this week now that i'm thinking about it and and looking uh i don't believe he shows up on on the chart here is Cam Newton, just because he, he didn't have that many actual passing and, and rushing attempts. Uh, but it sounds like Cam Newton is going to, the, the Panthers are going to do everything that they can to get him to start this upcoming week. I forget who specifically they play. But certainly a couple of names that are likely on your waiver wire to look out for if you're looking for a quarterback replacement this week. The final thing that I'll note with quarterbacks is Josh Allen's average depth, depth of target. I forget that I didn't write that down the number specifically, but I remember reading in Ben Gretchen's article uh, or his newsletter, Ceiling Signals. Please do subscribe to that. But Josh Allen's average depth of target this past week was the highest in a single game all season. So it's great to see him pushing the ball down the field, and maybe that's a product of them playing the Jets, who do not have a great defense by any stretch, but is certainly good to see and, and benefits Stefan Diggs. And I'm going to be actually talking about the, the Bills later on in the episode. A lot of teases today. Okay, the running back position is as fun as ever and on x-axis of this chart have rushing expected fantasy points on the x-axis receiving expected fantasy points on the y-axis and fantasy points over expectation or fpo as the size of the bubble one obviously one backfield that a lot of people are paying attention to right now in the wake of Derrick Henry going down is the Titans running backs. And it's now been two weeks without Henry in the fold. I I wouldn't I would be shocked if Henry came back at all this regular season, given the lead that the Titans have in the AFC South, given how easy their schedule is down the stretch and them being able to piece together some wins with the guys in this backfield. But in week 10, uh, Deontay Foreman actually was the lead guy for the Titans. He led the backfield in snaps, uh, was at 35%. He led them in carries and total yards. He had 30 rushing yards and 48 receiving yards. So over the past two weeks too. Again, McNichols seems like he's still the pass catching back. He's gotten 11% target share over the past two weeks. Has only got averaged, excuse me, three targets per game, which isn't spectacular by any means, but is running a route on 32% of dropbacks. And I think we'll continue to solidify that passing work. But If anyone was to take it, I think it would be Foreman. Foreman had 13 total opportunities this past week. Uh, McNichols only had seven and Peterson only had nine. That was after a week in which both McNichols and Peterson had double-digit opportunities. So it sort of looks like Foreman is gaining a little traction in this backfield he was the lowest in snap share in their week nine game at 21 percent and that was obviously their first game with adrian peterson but if you look at the the snap shares between these two games peterson's been at 33 actually both games and mcnichols and foreman have essentially flopped uh from week nine to week ten they've all averaged at least one green zone touch per game which is probably what's most frustrating across the this backfield is not being able to figure out who the sort of goal line or red zone guy is going to be the one thing if someone is offering like a, a bigger than expected pot for any one of these guys they're all averaging over the past two games. They all have fewer than 11 total expected points, which I think is a bit of an aberration. The Titans' pass right over expectation did drop below 0%, which, again, is encouraging if you have invested in this backfield. And because, again, like they've been a pass, excuse me, a run-first offense this entire season – with Derrick Henry, with their wide receiver core being so hurt with AJ Brown and and Julio Jones, each missing a couple of games. They also played the the Texans this upcoming week. So it could be a huge spot for any one of these players. And I'm going to take sort of a Bayesian approach here and and say that Foreman, if anyone, if you want to start anyone, whether it's from a DFS or a a fantasy perspective Foreman is the guy to play. After the Texans, they play, they face uh at the New England Patriots, they have a bye week. Then they play the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the 49ers, and the Miami Dolphins to round out their schedule, which is God, it's crazy that there's only seven weeks left after this week. Um, excuse me, six more weeks after the seven more weeks, man, math is hard. Um, in any case, Foreman is my, my pick. I would go Foreman, McNichols, Peterson in how I rank these guys, because I do think the, the Titans, their lack of pass catchers makes it easy to, for, could make it easy for McNichols to budge in there and earn a larger target share. Moving on, speaking of a run-first team, the Detroit Lions ran it a ton on Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers in that awesome, awesome game that ended in a tie. DeAndre Swift was the man of the hour, though. He set season highs in snap share at 93%, at Lions running backs uh, carries at 87%, total touches which thir- at 36 he had uh the 33 carries which was more than double his career high the previously he had 88 total percent uh percent of the backfield touches he led the lions in routes run and running a route on 84.3 percent of dropbacks now they only had these 25 passes in this game so not a huge sample there but Again, all, all of the other running backs for Detroit played on fewer than 10% of the snaps. Now, Jamar Jefferson, I believe, left with an ankle injury partway through the game, uh, opening the door a little bit for, oh gosh, I've got to check this name before the show, but Godwin Igwebuque, Igwe Buque. Um, I'm not going to try to pronounce that, but it's he. uh, funny enough, they both had a rushing touchdown in the game and Swift didn't. So they certainly made the most of their opportunities. But over the last two weeks, both of which have been without Jamal Williams, has been huge for DeAndre Swift. He's Again, averaging five high-value touches per game, um, averaging 20.2 expected points per game, and crazy enough, he's averaging negative seven fantasy points over expectation per game. So again, he, it's because he's getting all of these opportunities and hasn't been able to find the end zone, uh, at least not a, a rushing touchdown but he has a, excuse me, a 20% target share. He's running around on 74% of dropbacks. His receiving expected points is at eight per game, which is absolutely phenomenal. That's where we want to see really any workhorse running back. They can get the the majority of the carries, but I really want to see them getting work in the passing game. He's averaging five and a half targets as well. So Jamar Jefferson should be on every team if he isn't already. Uh, Godwin, I, I'm going to call him, is definitely worth a stash if this Jefferson injury is worse than it appears. And I don't know what the timetable to return for Jamal Williams is, but this backfield gives their running backs uh, a ton of high value touches. And obviously that's, a lot of that is weighted by Swift's opportunity share with high value touches. But again, if Swift were to go down, God forbid, crossing my fingers that it doesn't, then literally anyone in this backfield could be valuable despite uh, the offense being not that great. The next backfield is not necessarily, it is a backfield, or it was a backfield, and now it's just a back, and it's Christian McCaffrey and the Panthers because McCaffrey is all the way back. He uh, or is he? That's that's the question I think. I mean, he he's gotten nineteen and twenty-three opportunities in the past two weeks, but his snap share has been at forty-nine percent and fifty-nine percent the past two weeks. So he's not the the Panthers are clearly not giving him necessarily the full workload and it could be a situation like we saw a couple of weeks ago with AJ Brown and how they had him essentially playing a full complement of passing down work but on the run plays they they took him out because they didn't want to to risk further injury which I think is a smart Way to play it, and the the Panthers were very far ahead in this game early on. Forced a couple of turnovers uh, against the the Cardinals, and Christian McCaffrey should have just had like a monster monster game. Uh, Kim Newton uh, back from back from uh, back from the dead. It sounds like vultured. A goal line touch from him and then passed to Robbie Anderson, who was also uh, back from the dead. But in any case, McCaffrey did run a route on 67% of the team's dropbacks, which is his highest rate of the season, including the two full healthy games that he played in weeks one and two. So that's certainly good to see. He's he got 10 receptions this past week is averaging seven over the last two weeks. The one guy to keep an eye on in this backfield is Amir Abdullah because he has, it it seems like he's sort of eclipsed Chuba Hubbard in, in the pecking order for the backfield. This past week he had 13 total opportunities. It's the second week that he's had more opportunities than Chuba Hubbard. Uh, Abdullah has been at a 37% and 21% snap share the past two weeks while Hubbard was at 17 and 21%. So the same for week 10, but four more opportunities in this game has gotten nine total targets over the last two games, has four and a half high value, excuse me, uh, nine high value touches over the last, two weeks as well, compared to just three for Hubbard. So it it seems like there's a bit of a changing of the guard. So if Abdullah is out there in your league, again, especially heading into the playoffs where handcuffs, I believe, add, in my opinion, a lot more value from a floor perspective. If Abdullah is out there, most certainly worth an add and worth a peek. To see if he's out on your waiver wire. A couple of other nuggets at the running back position before I move on to wide receivers. Uh, this is from John Dagle. He noted that Michael Carter 16 carries, 20 touches, and 60.6% 60, 60. share of backfield touches were his most game most in a game with Tevin Coleman. This year, which is great to see because we hadn't seen Carter in a bell cow role while Coleman had been in the lineup. and I, I'll be interested to see where Carter gets drafted next year he'll likely fall in the running back dead zone but don't hold me to this but I could see him having a swift like season, potentially with being in a bad offense his ADP getting depressed a little bit and having just the majority of the backfield opportunities, especially if he's getting the passing down work had a question in the discord to talk about the Packers running backs. Aaron Jones is going to be out for a couple of weeks. I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't see him until after the Packers buy in a couple weeks, but Kyle and Hill is out for the year as well. So Patrick Taylor, uh, running back for the Packers is worth an ad, especially for running back needy teams. He only had two carries in the game this past week, uh, but he did have one of those was a green zone touch and you know that Packers. Team wants to. It seems like they want to run the ball uh, a bit more. But AJ Dillon had, let's see, 23 total opportunities in the game with Aaron Jones going down partway through it. So just AJ Dillon is going to be a smash for the next couple weeks as uh, Aaron Jones recuperates from his injury. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, and. The mentor, Daryl Williams, were all tied for the league lead in high value touches with 11 in week 10. And I point this out because Williams had has had at least seven high value touches in his last three games. But it sounds like CEH could possibly be back this week. If he's not, then Williams is definitely a solid start again this week. In the first game without Chase Edmonds, a lot of eyes were on James Conner, and he got 14 opportunities compared to just seven opportunities for Benjamin, but Conner did play on a season high 82% of snaps and ran a route on over 50% of snaps for the second straight week. So Connor still looking every bit the workhorse while Edmonds is out uh note from Ben in his article or excuse me in his newsletter again uh, about Antonio Gibson coming off the bye had his highest snap share since week 1 had all 5 of the green team's greens on touches but his routes weren't quite as high as the first few weeks so a sign that his injury is is improving and he's getting healthier but i think it's a bit of a lost cause of him us wanting to to have him get the full receiving workload that McKissick gets. Final note: uh, a couple of notes from Davis Maddock. Actually, since we're returning from injury, Elijah Mitchell is sixth amongst all running backs in fantasy points over expectations, and is fifth in the NFL in rushing yards per game. And since that time, Trey Sermon. This this is this really got me. Trey Sermon. Has more tackles with two than he has carries which is one since mitchell returned from injury so it was there was some news this afternoon too that mitchell i think broke his finger and was getting surgery on it so there's no uh i don't know if there's a timetable to return for him yet but i mean i was ready to say that trey summer was dead but if mitchell is in fact out sermon is is worth picking up but jeff wilson is definitely the the primary guy that should be on teams regardless because he got a a fair share of work last night against the rams okay moving on to the wide receiver position here on the X-axis of this chart have weighted targets per route run on the y-axis have excuse me area yards market share and then the size of their bubble is fantasy points over expectation. Going to start this section off talking about the Jaguars wide receivers because it's ugh, it's bleak um, at least for us Visca fans, but. Since DJ Chark went down, this is how sort of the last five weeks are panning out. Jamal Agnew of the wide receivers leads the team with a 19% target share. Marvin Jones is second at 18%, and Laviska is third at 16%. Um, Jones is running around on 91% of dropbacks, both Agnew and Chenault are at 73%. They're all averaging between five and a half and seven and a half targets per game, which is not a ton, obviously, and is not uh something to base consistency off of. Jamal Agnew did have a like a 70-yard touchdown rush this past week, which was, was pretty crazy. It saved His week, he's had double-digit PPR points in, oh, now it looks like uh, five of the last six weeks. So I guess there's a little bit of consistency there. Marvin Jones hasn't eclipsed double digits uh, in each of the last three weeks either. And I think some... Somewhat good news for Chenault is that his average depth of target was up to 8.1 yards this past week. That was his highest since week five, which was the first game without Chark uh, when it was at 9.67. So got some more downfield targets, but is still the sort of short area target his uh, both him and Agnew are at a have an eight out below seven yards, while Jones is at thirteen point six yards. So, from a consistency standpoint, and this is what's what's difficult because there are, I think, some opportunities for some boom weeks here with the Jaguars wide receivers. I would tend to lean towards Marvin Jones having the opportunity to have, again, one of those boom weeks. He's had over 100 air yards in three of his last five games, has over 50 in each of his last five games. Has had at least five targets in the last three games. So, again, that's not a huge number of targets, but there is some consistency there. And, again, the big thing for me is the 91% routes per uh drop back rate that he has has a uh excuse I me mean, Jones also has a 0.48 weighted targets per route run which is below average and i think that sort of shows you sort of how bad overall these these receivers can be uh Agnew actually is is above that at 0.52 but all all of those below the median mark here on the chart over the last five weeks and is probably at this point something to stay away from if if possible the next group of receivers i uh, and it's, it's really just one receiver and it's our cover boy devonta smith the eagles and, and i want to talk about him specifically because the eagles want to run the shit out of the ball their pass rate over expectations has been at negative 13 percent or lower in each of the last four weeks which is just dead last they are content running the ball as much as they want and i guess the good news is that quez watkins jalen rager and smith are the only three receivers in this, on this team getting targets obviously dallas goddard uh the tight end there is not included in that as well but none of these players have more than 6 targets in a game over the last 3 weeks and that is that's even worse than what we saw with the Jaguars but the good news and why I think Devonta can thrive continue to thrive is one he's a, he's an excellent playmaker he's a better receiver than anyone on the Jaguars that I just mentioned. He has a 41% air yard share over the last four weeks over that stretch of games that I mentioned with the Eagles passing the ball ton. A 41% air yard share, 28% target share, a 0.68 whopper, a weighted target sprout run of 0.73, which is you know near the top over the last several weeks and had that fantastic touchdown catch in the game this past week. I believe, if I remember correctly, that was like the touchdown with the smallest window thrown into this entire season and just made a spectacular grab. He's obviously better than Rager and Watkins at this point. Over his last five games, Smith has been at 98 Air yards or more in three of his last four. He has, and this is funny. He had, Smith has exactly 22.6 fantasy PPR points in his last two games. In each of his last two games, and this is following his week eight where he only had two and a half. So really coming alive at the right time here. But I think, and I, and I might have talked about this group a couple of weeks ago. Quez Watkins is clearly the number two receiver in this offense now. He's averaging just under four targets per game in the last four games, but Rager is just under two targets per game. Has just an 8% target share and 7% of the air yards in this in that stretch. Rager is only running a route on 71% of dropbacks while while Watkins is pretty much neck and neck with Smith at 90%. So Watkins and Smith, probably the only two Eagles wide receivers worth rostering. Right now, again, given how little they want to pass the ball, but again, they might be forced to to pass the ball in some of the weeks to come. We'll, we'll see about that. On the flip side, <laughs> a team that loves passing the ball is the Chiefs. And I, I rarely talk about the Chiefs and teams like the Chiefs because we pretty much have them figured out. But I, I thought it was time to take a look because Patrick Mahomes kind of looked like his old self the other night for parts of the game and, and wanted to see if there is any value in any of the receivers behind Tyree Hill, who's having just a... Phenomenal season, once again, uh, in the last five games, averaging over 12 targets per game. It's a 27% target share, 38% air yard share, over 132 air yards per game. It, I mean, he's just crushing it. So I'm not going to talk about Hill. Who I want to talk about are the receivers behind him because it's been a bit of a mix between Demarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle, and Miko Harmon, And Josh Gordon has just done nothing for this team. He just has three total targets in the last three games and doesn't have any catches. He He's not worth rostering if, if he was still on your roster. But in any case, the thing to note here is that Miko Hardman this past week ran around on only 33% of dropbacks, which is by far a season low. His lowest before that was at 59%, which was just two weeks ago at in week eight. But this is just, this is the first time that it's, or second time, I guess, that has been below 60%. Meanwhile, Byron Pringle had a season high. 67% route rates in week 10 after not being above 50% in any week before this past week. So again, if we're looking at this one game, it looks like Byron Pringle may have supplanted Miko Hardman. And Pringle had 73 air yards in this game. He had 121 air yards back in week seven and is just just sort of looking better than Pringle at this, at this point over the last five weeks uh Pringle's at a nine percent target share Miko Hartman's at a 12 percent target share and I do think that Pringle is worth an ad at this point it's not it's not exciting and I don't think I'd slot him into a lineup right away, but if this continues, then then he's basically Miko Hardman, and I think you know there's obviously been a lot of hype around Miko Hardman in the past. And Pringle has a 0.45 weighted targets per out run over the last five weeks. Miko Hardman's just at 0.38, so. Getting uh, slightly more work in that regard. Har- excuse me, Pringle's averaging about a half of half a an expected point per game over the last five weeks as well. So, just sort of reading the tea leaves here, and and it seems like, and, and it could have been because the the Chiefs were up so big and and they wanted to get Pringle more involved. But I I tend to lean that again. They, I mean, they kept Tyree Kill in there for quite a while as well. And so I think he Pringle is worth, worth an ad here. Okay. I mentioned it earlier. I'm going to talk about the Rams wide receiver situation here a little bit. OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr. was in the lineup, obviously got traded to the Rams last week. He was in the lineup, but only ran a route on 25% of the team's dropbacks, had three targets, caught two of them for 18 yards. That's 68 air yards, uh, obviously had that long deep shot that Stafford threw the ugly pick on, but just didn't, didn't really play enough to get a sense of how he's going to be used. Like I mentioned, the Rams enter their bye week this week and then get the the Packers, the Jaguars, Cardinals, and Seahawks. So maybe that gives them more time to have Odo Beckham Jr. adjust to this offense because I'm sure it's much, much different than what he was doing with the with the Browns. But the other person or persons, I guess, to talk about are Van Jefferson and someone ba- named Ben Skaronek. And Skaronek, I'm, I'm just going to call him Ben. Ben had five targets uh, last night. Jefferson did have seven targets of his own. And he, Jefferson has had at least six targets in each of the last four weeks. Jefferson ran a route on 97% of dropbacks and has been above 88% in each of the last four weeks. He is actually averaging, uh, excuse me, last night he had 17.5 expected fantasy points and had negative nine fantasy points over expectation because he dropped uh, a touchdown and a couple other passes as well, but on the season has played pretty decent and is getting for sure a full share of routes. And I think we'll continue to do so with Robert Woods, like I mentioned, being out for the year here. So we'll see if Stafford ends up trusting Jefferson after a couple of of bad drops, but I'm not really worried about the ancillary pieces here because the Rams have had a positive pass rate over expectation in every single game this season and their fourth in pass rate over expectation since week seven. So Jefferson, again, certainly worth rostering and I think could be a viable flex play in the right spot. And Odo Beckham Jr. I, I might wait until after they play the Packers to see what he looks like in that game uh before plugging him into my lineup Co- cooper cup as solid as ever had 13 targets for the third time in the last four games and the fifth time uh excuse me fourth time this season has double digit targets in every single game except week eight and it's just blowing out the water didn't quite get you there last night without a touchdown but He's still a stud and one of the fantasy MVPs of the season. A couple of, again, final nuggets on the wide receiver position. In his first game back, Michael Gallup saw five targets and ran a route on 58% of dropbacks. He had a really nice long catch that he almost scored on. So really good to see him back. If he was, for whatever reason, dropped in your league, be sure to go snatch him up this week. In the past two games without Henry Ruggs, here's how the, the Raiders' target shares are fleshing out. Hunter Renfro has a 22.6%, target share, Darren Waller at 21.9%, and then nobody else is above 13%. And it's Kenyon Drake at 12.9, Josh Jacobs at 11.4, Brian Edwards at 10, and Zay Jones at 8.5. So it seems like. Renfro and Waller are just going to get boosted up without anyone really taking over the Henry Ruggs role, if you will. Deshaun Jackson had a long catch against the Chiefs Sunday night and then fumbled it. So and then walked off the sideline visibly frustrated, but we'll be interested to see if he gets any more run in the games to come. T.Y. Hilton did run a season high, 72% of routes and had five targets and looked pretty decent, I guess. Um, so yeah, worth worth keeping an eye on Hilton for. And then this from Ben Gretsch, Elijah Moore found the end zone late, but ran a route on just 52% of dropbacks. Corey Davis was back and returned to a full role running a route on more than 90% dropbacks, I believe, and Jamison Crowder had a season-high routes run share. So I don't really understand. I mean, he sort of split the the wide receiver three role with Keel and Cole. Hopefully, that sort of smooths itself out and more sort of solidifies himself as the wide receiver three. But something something to monitor for sure. Now wrapping up the uh excuse me, the position-specific conversations with someone who seems like the talk of the town these days, the, the football cognoscenti is having a field day with Dan Arnold right now, and all it took was him. Uh, all it took was getting him away from Sam Darnold for him to thrive. Over the last, there there are two tight ends that have scored at least. 10 PPR fantasy points in each of their last three games. That's Dan, Dan Arnold and Evan Ingram. Uh, that's from Heath Cummings over at CBS. And then Adam Levitan, Levitan pointed out over his last five games, his target share has been above 20% in each of those five games and has been at over 20% in three of those five games. So truly an elite target share for a tight end overall in those five games has a 20% target share is averaging seven and a half targets per game, which again is phenomenal. His routes per dropback rate has risen in each of the last four games he's had topping out at 81%. This past weekend is averaging 10 PPR points per game. So for a tight end, that makes him a Tight end one and it is really just playing solidly for sure. I think is uh, we'll be interested to see his his price for DFS this week because he's been below 4K, I believe, the last several weeks, and has been a smash at that price. But uh, we'll see, we'll see where it's there. Had a request from Timu in the Discord to talk about Troutman season and I was confused, and I thought I missed something, but nope, Troutman, still kind of bad, um, has not scored above 10 PPR points at all this season, had 8.2 this past week, 8.7 the week before, and maybe this is what he's talking about, but he's had at least six targets in each of the last three weeks, which sort of coincides with Simeon started, and yeah, I mean, he has that many targets, which again, I, I talked about, I just mentioned Dan Arlett, seven and a half per game in his last five. I mean, just over six per game is is pretty solid for a tight end as well. And Jawan Johnson is pretty much a, a non-factor at this point after looking like he could have a, a solid role entering the season. But what's really weird about Troutman too is that he was at a 57 and a half routes run rate this past week, which is the first time that it's dipped below 66% since week four. So I don't really get it. I, I would not trust Troutman in my lineup. I don't think that offense has nearly as high of a ceiling as it once did. Speaking of players that are back and tight ends that are really good, George Kittle, Is all the way fucking back. He leads the team with a twenty-two, excuse me, twenty-six percent target share and thirty-four percent area share. The past two weeks, he scored a touchdown in each of the last two games, and I think the concerns remain the same with him as they they have with Debo. That I pointed out, you know, they're not a pass-heavy offense. The target share, excuse me, the target tree is is more condensed, which is good. And you'll take variance at tight end when you're getting spike weeks like George Kittle can provide. But it it's, it's just good to see George Kittle back and thriving. Final note here in the first game without Jonu Smith, uh, sort of a surprise inactive this past week. Hunter Henry's role didn't actually change that much. He was above a 70% routes run rate for... The third time this season but still hasn't had more than four targets in each of the last five games but he's managed to score five touchdowns in that span so just crushing every efficiency metric by that rate if smith is out for the game against the falcons this thursday night then hunter henry is for sure uh should be locked into your lineups Yeah, you can see, I, I mean, I'm looking at these charts, like George Kittle is just at the top right of both of these and is just crushing it right next to Kyle Pitts. Have a day, George Kittle. Um. All right. Wrapping up the show here, we're going to talk about the Buffalo Bills, top, starting with Josh, Josh Allen uh, coming off of the down week against the Jaguars just absolutely crush it against the Jets. Uh, the Bills are top three in pass rate over expectation on the season and top three since week seven. So they're they are content passing the ball and passing the ball a ton, especially when they get up big, which is which is the key, and which is what pass right over expectation is intended to sort of weed out and try. And that's what what we should be looking for. But since the week seven by four, Josh Allen, uh, which has been three games for them, has a 5.4% CPOE, uh, 3.4% touchdown rate, 7.0 adjusted yards per attempt, and 7.6 average depth of target. Like I mentioned earlier, that's crept, that crept up a little bit this past week. But the other interesting thing is that uh, Allen's only had 4.3 carries per game. In those these last three weeks, but he's still ha- averaging 36 rushing yards per game, so not not worried that that's not really you know staying a part of his game. The running back position for the Buffalo Bills always always uh, a lot of eyes on that. And Matt Breida frustratingly had a rushing touchdown and, and I believe, a receiving touchdown and basically just took the opportunities away from the other running backs this past week, but only played on 14% of snaps and is not – he could be worth an add, I think, is more of a handcuff probably to Devin Singletary because Devin Singletary's uh, snap share dropped down to 38% after being at 72% in week nine, but not someone I'm super eager to, to go after given the fact that the Bills running backs are not targeted at a high rate. And again, like I mentioned, the Bills are not running the ball a ton either. Over the last three weeks, Singletary and Moss are both averaging fewer than seven carries per game. They both are averaging, they're actually both averaging right around 10 opportunities per game. I think some of that's inflated by the week nine and Singletary getting a little bit more work with Zach Moss leaving that game for a little bit. And again, these two are sort of What they always have been, Zach Moss is slightly more valuable because he's playing, he's consistently been playing since week one, a higher uh, snap share and gets the goal line work as well as averaging over one green zone touch per game, while Singletary has just one green zone touch total in the last three weeks. The pass pitchers for. The Buffalo Bills. Stephon Diggs had his best game of the season this past week, which was phenomenal, great for the ship chasing crew, had 13 targets, 208 air yards. He ran a route on over 90% of dropbacks for just the second time this season and the first time since week one. So really, I hope the downfield targeting and the uh, excuse me the sort of target share concentrating on digs continues to hold. But over the last three weeks, he still has a really solid twenty-five percent target share, thirty-four percent air yard share. Is averaging over hundred air yards per game. Has scored two touchdowns and is averaging just over nine targets per game, has a 0.64 weighted targets per route run. Behind him, it's Cole Beasley, who actually only had two targets this past week after two straight weeks with at least 11 targets. His uh, routes run share dropped to 25.8%, excuse me, in week 10, which is by far a season low, the first time he's been below 55% 55% in a game this season. It's dropped each of the last four weeks, going from 91% to 80 to 63, and now 26% this past week. So, not sure what's going on there. And then Emmanuel Sanders, I think, has sort of come back down to earth after his his big start, and it's probably probably just the efficiency coming down because he still has about a 17-yard average depth of target over the last three weeks, but he's averaging fewer than five targets per game, and he still has yet to record a game with more than eight targets in a game. So that's sort of where you get the boom and the bust with a receiver like that with such a high average average depth of target, but not consistently getting targets. Um, But again, he's still running the most routes on the team, which is the somewhat confusing part. Ran a route, has run a route on 89%, excuse me, of dropbacks the last three weeks. I do think it will return, uh, I guess, sort of bounce. He'll have a, a minor bounce back eventually because he's had over 100 air yards in three of his last four games that's you know except for week 10 he only had 22 so certainly something to keep an eye on dawson knox was also back uh in this game ran around on 74 percent of dropbacks, which is good to see only had the one target but that's that's again sort of to be expected with uh just a tight end in general and, and one coming back from injury All right, final team, the Los Angeles Chargers. So it's getting a little sore here, pushing through. But Justin Herbert, uh, the Chargers, I believe have lost three of the last four. Not sure what's going on with them. There's a there's an article on PFF. I, I still got to read through talking about some of these changes, but it hasn't it hasn't necessarily been Justin Herbert's fault because they're having him throw it much, much shorter than he had in the past, has just a 6.9 average depth of target over the last three weeks, has a 7.0 yard uh, adjusted yards per attempt, 4.7% touchdown rate, negative 1.2% CPOE, but is still averaging two, 243 passing yards per game. So Herbert, like from a fantasy perspective, Herbert's fine. I think for him to really unlock his ceiling though, need to get back to targeting the targeting uh, excuse me, Mike Williams, who I'll talk about here in a second, and targeting him downfield as well. As far as the running back position, Austin Eckler still holding strong in the driver's seat uh, in that backfield. But again, going to take a quick look at sort of the handcuffs again here, because that's, that's what I think is the, the most valuable. And Justin Jackson, uh, I think, is sort of irrelevant at this point. He hasn't had an opportunity in the last two games. And Joshua Kelly and Larry Roundtree have sort of flip-flopped in each of the last two weeks. In week nine, Kelly had four opportunities and now just one this past week while Roundtree was at one in week nine and five in week 10. But Roundtree has consistently had some goal line opportunities, has two green zone touches in the past three weeks uh, and one in each of the last two weeks. So I'm prioritizing Roundtree for sure, as the handcuff to Austin Eckler for the rest of the season. Finally, the pass catchers, Mike Williams, like I mentioned, he's down bad right now. Had a scorching hot start to the season, but has cooled off quite a bit. Doesn't have more than six targets in each of the last four games after having double-digit targets in three of his first five games. Meanwhile, Keenan Allen has been above 11 targets in each of the last three games. But again, this, the good thing for Williams is that his routes route run rate has risen in each of the last three weeks and topped out at a 97% rate in week 10, which was it, uh, the exact same as Keenan Allen. In fact, his route run rate the last two weeks have both been above 92%, which are both, uh, or were both season highs at the time. So he's still out there running a ton of routes, just is not consistently getting the targets. His average depth of target, in fact, over the last three weeks, and again, this is more a function of the offense than I really think his role, but his Average depth of target is at 8.25, excuse me, while Keenan Allen is at eight yards as well. So it's it's really just the targets that aren't there for Mike Williams. Um, Williams, and, and you can sort of see here with the way the targets per out run, and, and I don't have obviously the receiver chart up here, but Williams over the last three weeks, is at 0.35. Keenan Allen has doubled at it. 0.72. Williams is averaging negative three fantasy points over expectation per game over the last three weeks, which isn't a huge, a huge amount, but is it is something. Um, you know, sort of sort of showing that he's not fully taking advantage of those opportunities, but Behind those two, it's a bit of a guessing game as to who the wide receiver three is, whether it's Jalen Guyton or Josh Palmer uh, would probably lean Guyton Mm -hmm. just because he's uh, running around on over 50% of dropbacks, but uh, neither of them have more than looks like five targets in a single game. This season. So, not not really from a fantasy perspective worth looking at. Jared Cook uh, has averaged four targets per game over the last two weeks as well, and I think is, is still clearly ahead of, unfortunately, Donald Chicken Parham. All right. That is almost going to do it for the show today, uh, despite. Crosby whining and wanting me to get out of here. I do have one last thing to address. I had a, a question from a listener uh, last week that I forgot to answer. Uh, this is from Pete Roverset. Uh, he said, I'll take my answer on air. How do you feel about someone calling you the data daddy? And and look, that, that comes with the job. When you're digging through all these stats and want to talk about metrics, Routes run, target share, area share. It's uh the data is my baby, and, and I'm the data daddy. It's uh it's been a joy to do this and to 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 share all these stats with the listeners. I am going to take my bye week next week. Uh, do a little R during the Thanksgiving week. Spend some spend some much needed time with the family. Hope you all have a a great holiday as well and can uh, take advantage of some extra rest. But remember to subscribe to the YouTube channel, become a member for just $5 a month, like this video and uh, yeah, subscribe to the YouTube, check in with the guys tomorrow at 9.15 PM Eastern time and have a great week 11.